remain standing for the reading of our sermon text this morning. It comes from Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 49. I'll be reading from verse 49 to verse, or 44 to verse 49. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Sorry, we're supposed to have one more slide there. Uh, It's okay. So the way we respond to the reading of the word now, we want to respond with gratitude. And so I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and then we will all respond together. Thanks be to God. Okay, we got that? All right, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. There we go. Took a minute, but we got there. You can have a seat. If you haven't already, I want to invite you to take out a copy of the Bible. If you have one with you, and turn to Luke chapter 24. If not, the passage will be on the screen. Luke 24, 44 through 49. Now today, we will wrap up what's been a short three-week series on three core essentials or predominant values to us as the church at Trace Crossing, and they are gospel, community, and mission. Two weeks ago, we saw that we are a gospel-centered church. The gospel, even though it's not everything, we use other things in our lives, it is the main thing. It is the central thing, and only the gospel can bear the weight of being the same or the main thing or the central thing of a church and the gospel is the main thing of our church last week we saw that the gospel then creates a specific kind of community which we pursue with one another it's a community that is both honest and holy it's one that is not easy to build but it is so beautiful once it is present And so we we saw that we nurture that community by walking in the light of God together. Well, today we're going to consider how the gospel drives us to live on mission. Gospel, community, mission. Now, what do we mean by mission? When I use the word mission, especially this morning, I'm going to refer to the grand and global mission of God to redeem sinners and restore the created order through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's the mission of reaching sinners like us with the transforming power of the gospel. It's the mission to bring the good news of the kingdom to those who have yet to believe or even yet to hear the good news of the gospel. Now, after God created humans to reflect his glory, they fell into sin. We're going to be starting a series through the book of Genesis, starting on September 6th, and we're going to be in those early chapters where we actually see this play out. But after God created all things, created people in his image, they were perfect, they were flawless, without sin, they fell into sin. Since that day, all of creation, including humans, 
so not just humans, all of creation has suffered the consequences. All of creation is now fallen and broken. And so the mission of God is to recover all that was lost and to restore all that was broken in that moment in the Garden of Eden when the first people sinned. That's the mission of God, to recover all that was lost and to restore all that was broken. And we believe it happened in and through the person and work of Jesus. Mission means that God is still active. And as people of the Bible, I think sometimes we forget that, or at minimum we tone it down a little bit. The Bible, although a completed account, we're not waiting for more revelation from God, which, since it's completed, it means that we have all that we need to know God truly and specifically and in a way that saves us. That fact does not limit God's activity in the world. God is not trapped in the book. In fact, the book itself, the Bible itself, testifies and teaches this reality that God has remained on mission and he will continue to be active to complete his mission. The news of Jesus' death and resurrection will continue to extend to the ends of the earth until Jesus returns. And in Jesus, all of creation will one day be fully restored and renewed. This is the mission that God is on. But the truly astounding part of all of this, because that's amazing. That's amazing that God, who could have just let the world go on its own way and just stay broken and stay lost, he would not have been any less God if he had not chosen to go on mission. If he had just let the world go out of control and left us to be lost in our sin, it would have been fine. It's astounding that he even goes on mission. But what's, what's even more crazy than that is that God invites and empowers us to join him in this glorious adventure of bringing restoration and wholeness and preaching repentance and forgiveness. He invites us in, and he sends every single one of us out into the world. He sends every single person that he saves. He brings us into the kingdom, only to send us out as kingdom builders. It's a core essential here at Trace Crossing. At Trace Crossing, we believe that we are not only called to shape one another into the image of Christ, we also believe that we are sent to be the image of Christ to a lost and broken world. So today, I want us to look at Luke 24, 44 through 49, which is, uh, you know, scholars say this is Luke's version of the Great Commission. I want us to see three things. Why we should live on mission, what it looks like to live on mission, and how we can do it. Why we should live on mission, what it looks like to live on mission, and how we can do it. All right, first, why we should live on mission. We are sent on mission because Jesus was raised from the dead. We don't need to complicate this. We always go to the Great Commission. We're sent on mission because Jesus tells us to go on mission. That's part of it. But, but him telling us to go on mission means absolutely nothing apart from the resurrection. We're on mission because Jesus is alive. We're on mission because Jesus was raised from the dead. And so that's what we need to see here. Look, look, at, look at the first few verses here. Luke 24, 44 through 46. And I want you to see one thing. That the sending of Jesus is the essential mission. This is Jesus talking. He says, these are my words. 
that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is saying here that all of recorded scripture, every single thing we have in the Old Testament, it is about me. It is pointing to my work on the cross, what I just did. It was pointing to me. And then he says in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. He's saying that the mission of God attested to throughout all of scripture was really all about this one event, the death and resurrection of Jesus. The whole Bible unfolds the mission of God. It began with God's pursuit of Adam and Eve in their sin. Like I said, he didn't leave them. He made a promise to them that he would one day provide a savior who would crush the head of the serpent and restore them to their rightful place. It continued with another promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis 12. And and Avery led us through this promise that was made to Abraham where it says, In Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this mission of God, it continued with the Israelites as they were called to be a light to the Gentiles. And that the nations would flock to the city of God to, to know him and worship him in spirit and in truth. And more and more promises of a coming Savior were made throughout the Old Testament and continues to unfold. But the mission of God reached a climax. It reached a crescendo with the arrival of Jesus. God's rescue and his restoration mission centers on the person and work of Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection are what the mission of God is all about. So it's only through the work of Jesus that the mission of God can succeed. Jesus' death and resurrection were requirements for sinners like us to be redeemed and for all of creation to be restored. It will not happen without the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus died and he rose again. Luke tells us for the forgiveness of our sins. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, sin is defeated. By faith in Jesus, we receive pardon from the guilt of sin. So we experience real forgiveness Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are free from the power of sin. So sinners like us discover real freedom, real, genuine freedom in our lives. And one day, we have this hope that we will be free from the presence of sin. So sinners are granted this real hope that one day all things really will be set right. And the world as it is will no longer be. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, not only is sin defeated, but death is defeated. And life is imparted death cannot really destroy us and life is now eternally meaningful so so for just a second let's meditate on the resurrection because the resurrection is the key to understanding our mission it wasn't until after the resurrection that jesus even sent his disciples on mission you notice that right he didn't he he wasn't you know going to the cross and then told them to go on mission it was after he was raised from the dead You know why? Because there's no mission without resurrection. The bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead as a historical reality is the basis of the mission of our church. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins. Repentance would mean nothing. Our message would be empty. 
and the mission would be void. Why is that true? Why is the resurrection so, so key to our mission, to our salvation? How do we know that our sins are actually forgiven? That's why it's important, because we have to be able to answer that question. How do we know? How do we know that our mission to spread this news is actually a worthy cause? Because Jesus is alive, because he was raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the receipt that proves that our debt has been paid. I know you guys who shop and you buy things, and in my family it usually works like this, like Eric will buy something for me and I'll try it on, and it's like, a little snug, a little snug, doesn't fit too great. And so what do we got to do? We got to take it back, you know, but I can't take the shirt back without the receipt to prove that I bought the shirt. They're not going to give me anything back for it. So I'll take the shirt back, give it in, and then I'm just sitting there hoping, please, no store credit, please, no store credit, give me refund, 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 store credit, you know, and so I get to buy another shirt in there that's just a little bit bigger, but I need the receipt. In order for you to know that your sins are forgiven, you have to be assured that Jesus is actually alive, because if the resurrection did not happen, you have no assurance of peace with God, you have no assurance that your sins will ever be forgiven. And we have no assurance that our mission means anything at all. But second, and this is where we typically go with this, through the resurrection, Jesus is given all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth. As the Lord and King of everything, Jesus commissions us to live on mission. And I gotta be honest with you, if you were living with a guy for three years, and you saw him die, or you heard about him die, but you know he's dead. He's dead, okay? They buried him. And it wasn't like, you know, a couple hours later, like, oh, he wasn't really dead. No, I mean, days. Days go by. And the same guy that you knew that you saw die is eating fish with you, because if you back up in Luke, that's what you see. Jesus is like, hey, y'all got any fish? And he's sitting with you at a table eating fish, and he's alive with you. I'm probably going to do whatever that guy says, you know? Anyone who can die and then come back to life and then just ordinarily just eat a fish sandwich with me, like, if they tell me to go do something, I'm going to do it. So Jesus possesses this authority. So we go on mission very simply because the resurrected Lord Jesus has sent us on mission. So responding to the mission of God is really just a matter of reckoning with the resurrection of Jesus and his lordship. It's really simple. We don't have to complicate this. Is Jesus really raised from the dead? And does Jesus really possess all authority? You've got to start with those questions. And if your answer to those questions is yes, then your answer to the mission of God must also be yes. We have two options. We can believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and then live on mission. Or we cannot believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and not live on mission. What we can't do is believe in the resurrection of Jesus and then refuse to live on mission with God. The resurrection of Jesus is the catalyst for our mission. Here's the shorthand version. Too long, don't read. Okay. If you're a Christian, you have been sent on mission. That's it. N.T. Wright says it this way. I love this. Resurrection doesn't mean escaping from the world. It's not as if through the resurrection, your only hope is that there's life after death, that you are saved from all of the bad things in the world. Resurrection doesn't mean escaping from the world. Wright says it means mission to the world based on Jesus' lordship over the world. 
And this is really important because whenever we think of the mission of God, we tend to solely think of missionaries who sell all that they have, move halfway across the world, live in the jungle, and they share with the gospel with those who have never heard it. That's what we think of. We think of missionaries who travel internationally and plant themselves somewhere else. But the mission of God is for each and every one of us. It's for every single person in this room who's in Christ. If Jesus was raised for you, then Jesus has sent you. No matter your circumstances or address, God plans to use you to advance his kingdom. No matter how long you have been following Jesus, no matter your occupation, no matter your age, no matter your degree of Bible knowledge, no matter your social status, your financial status, if you are in Christ, if Jesus was raised for you, God has plans to use even you, even me, to change the world. We are sent on mission, not because we're super talented, not because we figured it out, not because we're super capable or knowledgeable, but because Jesus was raised from the dead. So your confidence in fulfilling the mission of God should match your confidence in the resurrection. Don't be super confident in the resurrection if you're not living on mission. It's inconsistent. The resurrection is our why for why we go on mission. Second, our, our what. What does it look like? What does it look like to live on mission? We are sent on mission to simply represent the resurrected Jesus. Look with me at Luke 24, 47 and 48. We'll, we'll start back at 46. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Okay, so living on mission, what it looks like, means it, it looks like two things. Okay, first, living on mission means witnessing to the person and work of Jesus with our words. With our words. We want to see people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. We want to see people who have not received forgiveness of sins to receive forgiveness of sins. So what do we do? Jesus tells us here, we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. And what is that message? Again, going back two weeks ago, we really don't need to complicate this. The message that we proclaim is repentance for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus says, should be proclaimed in his name. We proclaim simply that Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. Why do we complicate opportunities to share the gospel with people? We're so afraid we're not going to be enough, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. We're so afraid, and we complicate. We complicate it. We start thinking so deeply, and we start thinking about apologetics and how we can you know, defend the faith and make all these arguments and answer every question under the sun. Why do we do that? Here's the message that Jesus has given us to proclaim that he died and rose again so that sinners, people who are separated from God, would receive forgiveness 
And you notice the second part of it. All that's required to receive forgiveness is to receive Jesus through repentance and faith. When Jesus says the message of the mission involves repentance, here's what he's saying. This is what we proclaim. This is our message. This is how we go on mission with our words. He's saying that in order to get in on what God's doing in the world, in order to get in on his kingdom, in order to be reconciled to him, you have to turn to the king. You have to turn to this resurrected savior through repentance of sin and faith in him. We proclaim the gospel. But notice what else he says. We don't just proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. Part of living on mission is proclaiming the gospel, but it's not just proclaiming the gospel in and of itself. It's proclaiming the gospel to all people in all places. Look at verse 47 again. That repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name, but he doesn't stop there. In his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. The saving work of Jesus is not localized. You don't have to be in a certain place. You don't have to be a certain kind of person to receive forgiveness of sin. So when we think about going on mission, we should not limit it to those who are just like us or those we think are good candidates to receive Jesus. Jesus did not just come to die for the sins of Israel. The gospel began in Jerusalem. It began to advance in Jerusalem, but it did not stop there. How do we know that's true? You don't even have to know history. You just have to know that we're standing in this place proclaiming the gospel, to know that the gospel began to advance in Jerusalem, but it extended to the ends of the earth. The kingdom, we say this often, is wide open to everyone in your neighborhood. The gospel is for every single one of your co-workers. And the gospel is for all nations. So when we think about living on mission, we think about witnessing to, representing the person and work of Jesus with our words that we take to those who are near us and like us and those who are far from us and not like us. We proclaim the gospel to all people in all places. Now, what does this mean for us? It means that if we are actually going to join God on the mission that he's given us, we must share the gospel liberally, freely, to as many people as possible. We must share the gospel. You must care enough about the people you live with, the people you work with, the people in our city, to think about how you can witness to the work of Jesus. Living on mission is not limited to supporting international missions. It isn't limited to mission trips. Don't wait on us to put something on the calendar before you decide to live on mission. God has called each and every one of us to live on mission right where we are. Your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, our city. This is our mission field for as long as we live here. So at Trace Crossing, we want to be ready and willing to share the gospel with those that the Lord has placed in our lives. Second, if we're going to join God on mission, we got to dream, we got to plan, we got to strategize for the advancement of the gospel to all nations. Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins of people from every corner of the earth. 
Living on mission means we need to be giving. We need to be sending. And we need to be going to every corner of the earth with the gospel. The scope of our missional activity should match the scope of God's mission. And I don't know if you've caught this or not yet, but his mission is global. So living on mission means witnessing to the person and work of Jesus with our words. But, and this, we always stop there. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It's not less than that, by no means. But it's more than that. Living on mission also means witnessing to the person and work of Jesus with our lives. With our lives. We don't just say Jesus, we show Jesus. We want people to not just come to know Jesus in their minds. We don't just want to convince them of the right way to believe. We don't just want to see them come to repentance and faith in Jesus and then that be the end of the story. No, we want to see people, or we want people to see and experience the transforming power of Jesus. The mission of God isn't just a spiritual mission because the resurrection of Jesus wasn't just a spiritual reality. When Jesus died, his body was actually buried in a tomb. It was actually in a tomb. His, his lifeless body was placed in this tomb after he died. And when he was raised, he wasn't raised as a spirit. Jesus was raised with a new glorified body. So this means at minimum that we have hope after death. We have hope for a future resurrection. When we die, our bodies will also be buried in the ground. They will decay. But one day when Christ returns to complete his mission, we will receive new glorified bodies. The mission of God does not end with just the forgiveness of sins or any other spiritual reality. The mission of God ends with a new creation. The, spirit, or the mission of God ends with a new earth, with God's new people inhabiting it and ruling over it with new glorified bodies. That is the future that awaits us. That is our great hope. One day, as the prophet Habakkuk foresaw, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's not just a spiritual reality. So here's the point. The gospel of the kingdom guarantees a future reality that we've always wanted. All the frustrations that we have in these bodies will be no more. We will have the bodies we always wanted. We will have the lives we always wanted. But here's what we know. The kingdom of God is not just something we can't wait to be a part of one day. The kingdom of God is here now. We, in part, experience now the life that we will one day have. Eternal life begins now. So part of fulfilling the mission of God is bringing the kingdom to bear on the world now. We work now toward realities that will be true in the new earth. We work for realities in our perishable bodies that we will experience fully in our imperishable bodies. That's why it's so important for us to pursue transformation in our lives and in the lives of others. That's why we work to bring justice and peace and healing and mercy to those who are suffering. We, we feed people not just because they are hungry, we feed people who are hungry because God has sent us on mission. We work to help others live now as they will live in the new earth. Because in the gospel, we are shown how God's world is supposed to work. 
So we impart that now. As we proclaim the gospel, we also seek to apply the gospel in every single area of our lives. That's what it looks like to live on mission, finally. How do we do it? How do we do it? We got the why, we got the what, now we need the how. How do we do it? This may surprise you. Because at this point, I even started the sermon prep this way. I started thinking through just sharing ways that we do this at Trace Crossing. Here are some plans we have. Here, here are some strategies that we have. Here are some hopes we have. Here are some dreams we have. Here's what we want to do to go on mission with God. Here are some suggestions for you to apply. The problem was then I read the passage. <laughs> I read the passage. And I want you to look at this with me. I don't know if you've ever noticed it in this way before. Look at verse 48. So after giving the message, repentance, forgiveness of sins, proclaimed to all nations, he says in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Here's what I expect to come next. I don't know about you. I expect a plan or a strategy or at least a call to make a plan or, or construct a strategy. Now go and do this. Here's how you can do it. Here's a suggestion. Or be thinking through ways you can do it. Then I'm hit with verse 49. Jesus says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Look at this command from Jesus. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The disciples had everything they needed. Or so it seemed. They had lived with Jesus. I mean, they didn't just hear the gospel. They saw the gospel with their own eyes. And then Jesus clarifies it for them. And he says, listen, what just happened, my death and resurrection, it means that sins are forgiven for everyone who turns to me. And that message is for all nations. And you can just imagine how the ones who were not terrified <laughs> must have been energized. Like, let's go. Let's go with this message. I'm ready. I'm ready to go and tell. And Jesus says, no, you got to wait. Because you don't have everything you need. They had seen the man. They knew the message. They had the resolve and the desire. But they still didn't have enough. The disciples had to wait. They had to wait. Wait in the city. Until you are clothed with power from on high. The disciples could not accomplish the mission they were just given without the Holy Spirit could not happen the power of the Holy Spirit is necessary for the mission of God to succeed generally and specifically at, for our church the Spirit of God is our source of missional power now of course as I said we make plans we make strategies but it can't begin there you won't succeed the Spirit of God is required. Power from on high is required in order for this simple mission to be accomplished. The Spirit of God is our source of missional power. We cannot fulfill the mission of God on our own. We can't do it. Our wisdom, our planning, our strategies, they are not enough. They're not enough. You think about the book, the book of Acts as the gospel spreads and Luke records it for us. Do you know what we see in the book of Acts? We see a bunch of ordinary believers. A bunch of ordinary believers 
who are staking their future on Jesus and living their lives for Jesus. They, they put themselves in God's hands and trusted him to lead them. Show us where to take your gospel next. We can't outgrow that simple faith. We can't become too clever for dependence on the Holy Spirit. We can't rush to plan mission trips. We can't rush to work for good in our city and work for the sake of the gospel in our city. You can't even rush conversations with friends and co-workers that you know need Jesus. You have to rely on the Spirit. You have to ask the Spirit to lead you and guide you and empower you. The Spirit of God is our source for missional strategy. Before we make plans, before we execute strategies for reaching our city and the nations with the gospel, we have to begin in this simple place with this simple desire for and dependence on the Spirit to guide and empower us for mission. We will never reach our city with the gospel without the Holy Spirit. So we must never strive to reach our city without first looking to the Holy Spirit. Praying and asking for the Spirit to guide and lead and empower us to fulfill this mission that we've been given. Okay. The reason for mission or the reason mission is a core essential of our church is because the risen Jesus has sent us to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and to live out its implications wherever we live. God is still active. He is still at work to set captives free, to transform lives, and to bring those who are far from God near by the blood of his Son. This means we have to go. We have to go. We have been sent, so we have to go. Unless we want to reject the resurrection. God accomplished his mission to recover and restore what was lost and broken in Eden, not by waiting for us to figure out our failures and to come back to him. God has accomplished his mission to recover and restore what was lost and broken by coming to us. So we must go, like our God, to the places in our city and to the nations and the places in the world that others wouldn't dream of going. We can't do any of this without the Spirit. But by God's grace, I hope you know this, we have the Spirit. We have the Spirit. So we can do this. 